great to see you this morning, and, uh, and we are glad you were here as we are celebrating uh, who Jesus is and what he does for us, the implications of the gospel, the good news. Uh, many of you guys here are guests today, and we're so glad to have you. And if you are, uh, if you are new to uh, Redemption, this is your first time here, we welcome you. Um, or if you're a returning guest, we are so glad you are here, and uh, we want to uh, let you know that, uh, that you are welcome, and we are so glad to worship God together. Uh, we are going through a series uh, this summer called Are You Serious? We're looking at different facets of the Christian faith and, and doing a little self-examination to see personally are we serious about certain aspects of the faith. And, and then corporately as a church, it's a time for us to step back and evaluate uh, what we do, why we do it, and, and who we are looking to as the uh, savior of our souls and the uh, person who uh, defines our faith and how we are to live. Um, today we are looking at baptism. Are you serious about baptism. And I would encourage you to turn to the book of Romans. We'll be in Romans chapter 6 today and, um, and looking at a couple verses throughout Scripture as well. Uh, so let me pray and ask God to be with us as we open his word together. Uh, Father God in heaven, thank you for this morning. I uh, got a time together as your people, together with your people. Uh, God, we thank you for an opportunity to celebrate who you are and what you've done. God, as we proclaim the good news over one another through singing, through fellowship, uh, through uh, prayers as we proclaim that back to you. And, and God, now as we read your word, the good news, i got to pray that uh, your Holy Spirit would open our minds to understand and our hearts to receive the gospel of Jesus. God, help us understand your word and apply it. And, and God, I pray that by your Spirit you would transform us uh, to be more like your son Jesus. God, I thank you that this morning we get to celebrate together uh, communion uh, as we celebrate the, uh, the broken body of Christ and the shed blood of Christ. And God, I thank you that we can celebrate uh, the baptism of a sister in Christ, Lord, to celebrate who you are and what you've done in her life personally. And so, God, I pray as we open your word and, and hear your scriptures and hear about baptism, Lord, I pray that uh, this would be a worshipful time for us all. Uh, God, for those who do not know you, Lord, I pray that you would give an understanding and a response to the good news of Jesus. And for God, uh, for those of us who, who do know you, God, I pray that you would awaken us to a new uh, life uh, together uh, as we worship together as a church. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue to sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we, if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. 
Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been, bought, who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. This is God's word. Friends, Christ takes us from death to life, releasing us from the dominion of sin and freeing us to walk in grace. Today as we look at baptism, we see that baptism is about Jesus. Baptism is about you. Baptism is about us together. And baptism is about others. Because baptism is a display of the gospel work of Jesus It's a display of the community we are together. It's a display of the mission we have to live during our time on earth. And this good news changes everything for us. So as we look at baptism, we must ask, first of all, what is baptism? And maybe you're here today and you're not really familiar with what baptism is, or maybe you have a misunderstanding about what it represents or even how to do it. Maybe you've seen people sprinkle babies, or maybe you've seen people get dunked in a river. Maybe uh, you don't really know what baptism is at all. So let's look at that first and see that baptism, uh, the word technically is, is baptizo, which means to cleanse or to wash. And uh, often it means to immerse in water. And there's a lot of tradition with baptism, even before the time of Jesus, it was an opportunity for people to be uh, ceremonially washed, to be cleansed uh, of uh, representing a sin being washed and taken away from them, uh, to be clean before God and before each other. Uh, oftentimes uh, it's similar to an anointing process, uh, uh, which means you are being uh, designated and set apart for a special use. Like in the Old Testament, if you were a king, you would be anointed, uh, in a sense baptized, kind of to be set apart for that special purpose as a king or a priest or a warrior. And so there's a lot of tradition that goes into Christian baptism for you and I today because we see that this represents all of these things. The baptism at its core is a representation of sin being taken away and being set apart for a holy purpose, being identified for special purposes, like a king or a warrior or a priest. But ultimately, we see that baptism is about Jesus, who he is and what he's done, and the implications for you personally and the implications for us together in community, and implications for us looking out to others on mission. So first, let's look at this. Baptism is first about Jesus. I mean, Jesus is the core of the gospel, of the good news, and so we know that first and foremost, baptism is about Jesus. And in a few minutes when we baptize our, our sister in Christ, Brooke, we're going to see that, that uh, baptism is representing the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Brooke will step into the water uh, living a life and then stepping into the water being buried uh, representatively in the water and raised out of the water to walk in a new life. This is representing who Jesus is and what he's done. Because the core of the gospel is that Jesus lived a perfect life that none of us could live. He obeyed every law. He obeyed every religious tradition. He did no wrong before God and before mankind. Righteously, He was a righteous, holy man, living life perfectly, a life that we should live but can't because we are broken, flawed human beings. 
But we see Jesus, too, died a death in our place. He died a death as, a represent, as, as our sacrifice. He died a death as our atonement before God, taking away the sin off of us onto himself. We see that Jesus was buried in a tomb for three days, and after three days he rose again. And Scripture has told us, uh, and we know this to be true. As we look at Romans chapter 6, we see that the Apostle Paul is writing this letter talking about baptism, not only the actual act of baptism, but the significance of being baptized, what it means to be immersed in Christ, what it means to be uh, freed and, and released from sin and the significance of that. But before we dive further into Romans 6, let's take a step back to Romans 5. If you look at Romans chapter 5, he is writing about having true peace, which is a right relationship with God, that happens through faith. And in chapter 5, verse 6, he writes, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. There's so much I wish we could just read the entire book of Romans. I would encourage you to do that. But we see in Romans chapter 5, even in these set of verses, uh, Scripture is telling us that, that Jesus died for the ungodly, for those who are unrighteous. This is done so by the love of God. He is showing love for us that even while we are sinners, while we are broken, while we are wicked, while we are flawed and rebellious and uh, evil, Jesus died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Therefore, we have now been justified by his blood. That means we have been made right. We are declared right before God because of what Jesus did for us. If you go down a couple more verses in verse 12, therefore just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. You see, we are broken, we are sinners. All of us have that and need to be rescued. And you skip down a couple more to verse 15. If, um, verse 15 says it's a free gift by the grace of God that the one man Jesus Christ should abound for many. Down in verse 17, one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace through the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. These are just a few of many occasions the scripture is pointing us to Jesus, who he is, and what he's done. So baptism, first and foremost, is about Jesus. Jesus, the perfect man, dying of sin as our atonement to take away our sin um, dying as a sacrifice for our time at taking away our sin. Jesus, who lived the life, died a death, and then rose again victoriously. So baptism is first and foremost in every way about Jesus. And we mustn't miss that. But secondly, baptism is also about, about you. It's personal. Baptism is about you as a person. It's about you and your identity. See, Scripture tells us in verse, uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 3, says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death 
in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Those two verses are packed with such information. I mean, it's just mind-blowing. We should just camp out there for a second. You see, baptism is about you and your identity. He, he writes that we are in Christ. When we are baptized, we are baptized in Christ. Now, in our natural state, apart from Jesus, we are not in Christ. We are in Georgia, right? Or we are in whatever job you have, or we are in whatever identity you take on. See, as human beings, we have uh, different, different roles and identities that, that we wear in our lives, and often we forget that Christ, as, as Christians, Christ is our ultimate, where we find our ultimate identity. I mean, think about a, a few ways you think of your identity. I mean, maybe it's uh, if somebody says, well, hey, how you doing? What's your name? And you tell them your name. That usually the next thing they ask is, so what do you do? Where do you work? What career do you have? Or, hey, who's your, who's your dad? Do I know your dad? I just met a guy right before church. He knows my dad. It's hilarious. <laughs> I was walking down the hall here. He works here. And he's like, hey, are you Johnny's son? I'm like, yes, I'm Johnny's son. See, that's how it, how it is. So often we find our identities maybe in the family we come from or the job we have or the school we attend. And often these are good things, but we often will find our ultimate identity in these things. And they could be good things. Maybe you're here today and you find your identity in the brokenness that you've been a part of. Maybe you find your identity in the sin that you're struggling with. Maybe you're thinking, Jeremy, I'm just I'm struggling with something right now. I'm finding my identity in this addiction. Or I'm finding my identity in this act of brokenness in my marriage. Or I'm finding my identity in my failures as a parent. Or I'm finding my identity in my failures at work or my financial mishandlings. You see, it's by nature we find our identity often in sin and brokenness. But sometimes we find our identity in good things too, the idols and the functional saviors. We say, well, look, I don't want to have this brokenness, so I find my identity in this. I no longer want to have my identity in this addiction, but I'm going to find my identity in this triumphant tool that's helped me overcome that addiction. Or I don't want to find my identity in my failings at this job, but I'm going to find my identity in this new career path I'm on. I have four kids, uh, and think back to when you were a kid. I mean, think back to when you were a little kid. Did you ever play dress-up? I mean, guys, you did too. I mean, girls maybe dressed up as princesses or whatever. Dudes maybe dressed up and played army or something. And I was thinking back to, uh, I mean, I see this with my little kids all the time. Think back, like, if you're playing dress-up, and uh, imagine you're like out in the yard, and you get real dirty playing, you, know, you get dirt on your face, and you get dirt all over you, and you're like, oh, man, oh, we've got to go play dress-up. And then you go inside, and you can put on a mask or put on a little hat and kind of cover up your dirt a little bit, right? I mean, my kids do this all the time. We'll be outside, we'll get all dirty, and then they go inside and play dress-up, and all they do is put, my daughter will put makeup over her dirty face. Or my son will put on a superhero mask covering up the dirt that's on his face. And I was thinking about that this week. That's often what we do when we look at ourselves and we don't like our identity. I mean, often we say, man, I got sin. I got, it's like dirt on your face. It's like, man, I'm dirty. I got sin. I got brokenness. So I need to cover it up so that I'll be accepted and approved and loved. Right? Is it just me that's done this? Like, man, uh, you know, I, I totally blew it. So I got to do better and try harder. I want God to accept me. I want others to think I'm great. And all it is is we get dirty playing in the backyard and we're putting on a mask are covering ourselves up with play makeup. But here's the beauty of the gospel. This is what Jesus does. Jesus stoops down 
Not in condemnation, yelling at you for being dirty. Not for yelling at you for putting a mask over your face. But rather, Jesus gently and kindly removes the mask and removes the dirt. Right, Jesus doesn't come in and slap a mask over you and say, you have a dirty face, we've got to cover that junk up. Nor does he say, oh, look at the cute mask. But rather, Jesus stoops down and says, you belong to me. You don't need this mask anymore. You belong to me. That dirt on your face is not going to stay there. Let me take care of it, right? Baptism is about you and your identity, Because the work of Christ is that he stoops down to remove your idols, your functional saviors, where you find your identity and security. He takes those away and says, don't find your identity and security in those things. They could be good things, but ultimately your identity is in me, in Christ. Your identity is not in the dirt on your face. It's not in the play makeup and the mask that you wear. Your identity is in Christ. And that's what baptism is about. Because baptism is about Jesus and the gospel, but baptism is about you and your identity in Him. That's why Romans says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried therefore with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from death by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. There's an identi- You were identified with Christ. That's what baptism's about. You belong to God through Jesus. Period. And this is good news for us. So as we ask ourselves, are we serious about baptism? As we ask ourselves, are we serious about being baptized into Christ? I want us to ponder this thought in your mind, in your heart. What are some things in which you find your value and worth? Identify those bad things, the, the sin, the rebellion, the brokenness that haunts you, but also identify the good things that you try to make up for lost time. Identify the masks and the makeup you put on to, to cover up your dirt. And give those things to Jesus. Because being baptized into Christ means you are no longer identified by the bad or the good things in your life. You are identified by Christ. And that's what baptism is about. Thirdly, baptism is about us together. And I love this part of baptism because we see that baptism is first and foremost about Jesus, who he is, what he does. Baptism is about you and your identity. Baptism is about us together in a community. And this is why we're here today. When we gather on Sunday mornings, it's like having a feast over at your house, right? Like if, when it's Thanksgiving, you know, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but maybe on Thanksgiving, um, if you've ever had to like work on a Thanksgiving day, this happened to me once and it was horrible. It's like you show up and, and everybody's eaten and they feasted because you had to work late and they just have a plate for you to microwave, right? And you, and you get to kind of see everybody. It's good, it's good to see you, Uncle Bob. Oh, you got to go. Thanks, Uncle James. Everybody just kind of has to scatter. And you still get to eat a little nugget of food, and it's delicious. And you get to see everybody in passing, but ultimately it's not the same as like having a Thanksgiving feast with everybody. That's why we get together on Sundays. Really. This is a time for us to gather and feast together. I mean, you could podcast a sermon here. You can catch up coffee with somebody, but it's not the same. And so when we gather together, it's an opportunity for us to celebrate who Jesus is, what he's doing in your life personally, your identity, crises of sin and idols and all that that I just talked about. It's a time for us to gather together and celebrate who we are as a community, as a family. Dirty, broken, masks, everything. Woo! That's why we're here today, whether you know it or not. We're about to feast. 
on God's word, through worship, baptism, communion. Look what the Apostle Paul says. So baptism is about us together in a community. That's why even though Brooke is going to be the one young lady getting baptized today, it's something for us to celebrate together as a church family, as believers, even if you're part of another church. We're glad you're here. This is God's work. Romans chapter 6, verse 5 says this, If we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin may be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For no one has died. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. We have died with Christ. We believe now we also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. There's a lot in those verses about community. And I know at first we can see and it's all about, it's all about Jesus and what he's done. But it's also a lot about community. Look at verse 5. He says, if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We, united with Jesus. See, baptism is about us together in community. right? When we celebrate a young lady being baptized because, because Jesus has saved her and rescued her, it is something for us to celebrate in community because it's something we, we together are looking to Jesus for who he is and what he's done. We together are celebrating how he has wrecked our identity crises and, and, and made us new creations. We together are being united together with Jesus. That's why time and time again he says, we, 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 we have been united in a death like his. We shall certainly be united in a resurrection like his. We know that the old self was crucified. We would no longer be enslaved to sin, right? We have died with Christ. We believe. We also will live. We know that Christ was raised from the dead, that death has no, no longer has dominion over him, that he died to sin once for all, Right? The life he lives, he lives to God so that you, okay, that's a tricky one. You're like, well, so you personally, yes, but you, plural, so that you, we, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So baptism is about us together. It's a time for us to celebrate who Jesus is and what he's doing in our midst. So don't check out when we dunk broke here in a second. The water's cold. It will be fun to watch. Right? So we are being united. This week there was a d- debate over uh, something of utmost importance. Have you guys ever seen the Power Rangers? Right? Okay. For those of you who are a little more old school, Voltron is where it was at. You guys remember Voltron? And if you, if you know, I didn't even watch the Power Rangers, but if, if you're familiar with Voltron or the Power Rangers, there were times where like the different guys and the lady or whatever, there, there's always like a pink Power Ranger, like a pink tiger, right, or whatever. And so they would get together... And, um, and they would each have their different roles and different functions, but then they would join together to be one, like, colossal beast. You know what I'm talking about? Just, like, united. And, that, and that's the picture we see with the work of Jesus. And when we celebrate baptism, it's celebrating the unity we have in Christ because of his death once for all, for all of you who are in Christ Jesus. He unites us with him to be raised from dead, death to new life, to be raised with him together, united together with him, and united together Together, like Voltron, right? First John 1 John 1.3 says, That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, 
so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. I love the words of 1 John. The word fellowship means community. It means active participation in each other's lives. In the gospel, the good news, the person and work of Jesus is that we have been redeemed from our false identities and our sin, and we have been united with him so that we can have fellowship, communion with him and with each other. That's what he said, right? You two may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship together is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus. That's exciting to me. So baptism is about Jesus. Baptism is about you personally. Baptism is about us together in community. And fourth and finally, baptism is about others. Baptism is about others. Romans six twelve through 14 says this, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. Man, again, there's so much here. We could just spend weeks on Romans 6 alone. But what he's writing here, he says, hey, don't let sin reign in your bodies. Present your members, present your bodies, not as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God because you've been brought from death to life. Your body is not your own. This community as a body is not our own. You belong to God. You have been bought for a price. You have been bought for a purpose to be used as an instrument for righteousness in your life personally and in our life as a community. You see, baptism does represent Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection. Baptism represents what he does for you by taking away your sin personally and your functional saviors and raising you to walk in a new life. Baptism represents us together because in so doing, we are united together and united with him. But baptism represents being set apart for a special purpose. It's like kings being anointed to reign a kingdom. That happened throughout the Bible. They would be anointed with oil, being set apart for a purpose to reign a kingdom. Priests would be anointed with oil, set apart for holy purposes. When, when you and I, as Christians, if you were baptized, it is a representation that Jesus has set you apart for a holy purpose. Not me, not this church, but Jesus. Jesus has set you apart for a holy purpose. There is a mission Christ has for you. When he saves you and he redeems you and he changes you, it's so that you will have your ultimate joy with him eternally, of course. But he leaves you here for a little while. He has uniquely placed you in a family for a holy purpose, to take the good news to your family. The neighborhood in which you live, God has placed you there to take the good news there. The school that you attend, God has placed you there and he has set you apart for a purpose so that others may know who Jesus is. He's placed you in this church because we need to hear the gospel of Jesus, man, constantly. He has placed you in this city. He has placed you in your workplace. Wherever you live, work, or play, God has placed you there to be an ambassador of the good news. That's what baptism is about. It's about the mission 
that Jesus has for us. When we are united with Christ, it's not only an identity, but it's a partnership and mission. We have fellowship with God and each other. Fellowship is an active participation in community. That means we have an active participatory role in taking the good news to each other in community and on mission. Belonging to Jesus means you partner with him in seeking and saving the lost. That's why Jesus' Jesus's last words in the Gospel of Matthew, what we know is the Great Commission, it says the eleven disciples went to Galilee to a mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Isn't that good news? Jesus' presence is with us always because he has authority over heaven and earth, everywhere, every place, all the time. Jesus reigns supreme, and it is our job as disciples to make disciples. And one way we do that is through baptism. Why? Because baptism proclaims who Jesus is and what he's done, proclaims a personal identity change for you, because it's about you, it's about us together in community. It's saying, hey, look, because Jesus saved you, you're no longer an outsider, you're an insider. You're part of God's kingdom. And we celebrate that community together in smaller communities like Redemption Church or the Buff Missional Community or Central Missional Community. We celebrate together as a family in different ways. We are to baptize in the name of, which means designating the name and calling to which you belong, and that is God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, because this is God's redemptive plan. This is Jesus' work, and it's the Holy Spirit who prompts us and changes us to believe. And that's good news, don't you think? Here at Redemption Church, we're saying that, uh, you know, we take the Great Commission very seriously. I mean, we're very serious about the Great Commission because it's Jesus' words, it's his authority that's been given in heaven and on earth to make disciples of all nations. That means everyone everywhere, all the time. So we often think about where you live, work, and play, and we say that we want to be a church that's leading people to Jesus to lead people to Jesus. It sounds simple. It's because it's the Great Commission. We want to be a church that's leading people to Jesus to lead people to Jesus wherever you live, work, and play. That's it. That's the Great Commission. And that's why we celebrate baptism. So at this point of the service, as we take a step back and ask yourself, are you serious about baptism? Contemplate this. The baptism is about Jesus. Baptism is about you personally. And baptism is about us together as a community. And baptism is about others as we look outward on mission. At this time of the service, we have a great privilege to baptize a sister in Christ. So Brooke, I'm going to ask you to come stand before the uh, baptism tank. And uh, this is Brooke Arnold, everyone. And um, she is a student and, uh, by God's grace, a a princess in the kingdom of Jesus. (laughs) And it's such a great privilege and joy. She is representing Augusta Prep, as you see on her shirt. Uh, So this is Brooke Arnold, everyone. And this is her friend Shelby. And um, Shelby is going to read uh, Brooke's testimony for us uh, to hear. 
Yeah, um, I've had the privilege to um, watch Brooke grow up um, since from like the day she was born, um, and so it's an honor for me to get to be here with her as she um, is baptized. Um, so this is um, Brooke's story. Um, I'm Brooke. I'm 18. I'll be a senior at Augusta Prep. I grew up in a household where I was told about God and, and to say my prayers, and we went to church on and off, so I always knew that there was a God. He just seemed pretty distant. My little brother passed away when I was three, and as I grew older, I realized that his death had caused a separation between my family and God. However, that same incident is what caused me to want to know God more because I knew that he had a plan for my life. My sophomore year, I had this deep desire to get closer to God. I just didn't know exactly how to do that, so I started going to church with my friends and my family. Junior year, I started going to Young Life and heard my Young Life leaders talk about a God who was personal, and I had never heard it explained that way. Through hearing about Jesus, something in me just clicked, and I realized that God was right there with me and loved me and wanted a relationship with me. Life for me now looks a lot different. Before I fully understood God's love, I always thought that I had to do something to earn it. Now I know that that's not the case and that God loves and accepts me for who I am no matter what. The verse that I claim is Joshua 1.9, which says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Thank you, Shelby. It's a cold. There you go. Awesome. Well, um, after hearing your testimony, Brooke, and and hearing God's uh, work in your life, it is a a great joy and privilege to baptize you now. Uh, In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ and His death and raised to walk in new life. <laughs> you guys be sure to uh, catch up with Brooke and get to know her and get to love on her a little bit. This is an amazing uh, work of God in her life uh, that we get to witness together. And so um, as we continue our time in worship um, oh yeah, we have a, a gift for Brooke when she dries off. We have a book uh, called The Explicit Gospel. Uh, this is just a, a book that maybe will aid you uh, as, as you grow in your faith. And, um, but as we, uh, as we conclude the, the message part of the service here, there'll be a time for uh, reflection. I would just ask that you uh, consider who Jesus is and what he's done for you. If you are not a Christian, we would love to talk to you about uh, more in, in detail about who Jesus is and what he does uh, because he is the only rescuer. He is our only hope. He is the only Savior. And we can't be good enough. We can't try hard enough. But uh, the grace of the gospel is that Jesus alone can rescue. Jesus alone can save. And so if you're not a Christian, please let us talk with you about that. We want nothing more than for you to know the grace of God through Jesus Christ. Uh, if you are a Christian, uh, this is a time for us to continue to worship and celebrate uh, as we reflect on who he is and what he's done for us. And it's a time for us to repent of sin and repent of disbelief and turn and look to Jesus as the author and perfecter of our faith. Uh, so let me pray for us. Father God in heaven, thank you again for who you are and what you've done for us. Uh, God, we thank you that you um, are amazing, that you are holy, that you are righteous, that you are gracious. 
God, I thank you that in Christ we uh, have been ransomed, we have been purchased, we have been rescued. Uh, So God, now I pray um, as we reflect on who you are and what you've done for us through Christ, God, that you would stir up our hearts and minds. God, that you would give our minds attention to be focused on you, that you would give our hearts affection to be longing after you. Uh, God, that you would give our eyes, give us eyes to see uh, your glory and give us ears to hear the good news. God, cause our hearts to beat in response with repentance and belief and faith. God, I pray for a vast amount of joy uh, in this room because of who you are and what you've done for us. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen.